All right. Well, uh, welcome to BSing with Sean K. I'm your host, Sean Neese. Uh, today, my guest is uh, Marissa Martinez. She is uh, the vocalist and guitarist of the band uh, Cretan. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So uh, just tell us about yourself and how you got started with music. Oh, well, um, my dad was a guitar player back in the late 60s and early 70s. Um, and so I guess there was always kind of like an expectation that one day I would go in that route. <laughs> um, and back, geez, in the late 80s, early 90s, um, all my skateboarding buddies, we started getting into metal and punk and uh one one friend in particular had uh a bunch of instruments um like they were just a really musical family and so we would sit around and skateboard at his house and then uh we all started picking up instruments and i realized that um you know my dad's guitar uh i inherited it he died when i was 5 um and my grandparents just held on to it forever um so i went and got it back from them and started playing then um and we you know, like try to cover Metallica songs or whatnot. And um, so, like, how how would you describe like the style of music you play for people that might not be familiar? I guess. Um, well, I think we play death metal, but we ca get called grindcore a lot, which is understandable because our main influence is Repulsion, who they're also labeled a proto grind band. Um, they're considered grindcore. Um, but I think we're a little bit more on the metal side than the, the hardcore side, um, which are two things that, you know, smush together to, to comprise grindcore, essentially. It's like it's like hardcore punk, but, you know, with, with a lot of metal uh, influence into it as well. Um, and we tend to be on the, the more metal, metallic side. And uh, how did you get uh, exposed to this style of music, and like, what was its uh, initial appeal to you? Well, I started playing thrash, and I mean, it just, I just really liked it. It just really resonated with me. Um, and as I started to like really, you know, embrace playing guitar more than like skateboarding and seriously practicing and learning how to play, um, my best friend, he uh, had picked up a bass, Matt Widener. He's in actually the bass player for Cretan. Um, he had gotten a bass, and he was playing in some, like, Christian ska band at the time. <laughs> and he really wanted to be playing death metal because he had, he had found uh, death metal. He went from thrash to death metal, and, and he discovered it before I did. And so um, when he found out that I was playing guitar and playing metal, he was like, oh, maybe I can convince Marissa to, you know, like, get into death metal. And so he started exposing me to it. And, like, I totally didn't get it at first, right? Like, the, the vocals, I think, are the, the most uh, striking thing when it comes to, to death metal. And it, it was hard to embrace them at first because I was very much into thrash, which, while screaming, has a, a little bit more uh, singing involved than, like, death metal or grindcore does. Um, but he just kept, like, exposing me to it, you know, like, showing me, like, the cause of death from obituary and... Uh, carcasses, symphonies of sickness, and uh, dismember like a never flowing stream. Like those, those albums were pretty much the first ones that uh, I got exposed to. Cannibal Corpse Eaten Back to Life, and eventually, um, I think Obituary was my gateway. Like symphonies of sickness 
from the the album artwork um, and the you know the stuff they were singing about, it was like, whoa, this is too intense. Like <laughs> I don't know about this. I don't get it at first, right? Um, but once I got into obituary and I really started embracing uh, the music, um, particularly like Campbell Corpse, it just went really quick from there. Like it was just like, oh my god, and and suddenly I got it what Carcass were doing, and you know they became one of my favorite bands of all time. And uh, what was it like uh, promoting your music when you first got started? Uh, oh, jeez, we didn't. <laughs> I mean, we were in high school. We didn't know what the hell we were doing. We lived in the Santa Cruz Mountains, which is like uh, Santa Cruz is a beach town uh, in California. And in the mountains, uh, the towns are pretty small out there. Um, so we went, you know, the high school we went to probably had, I don't know, 500 students at the most, and um, all of the metalheads were, like, into thrash. They weren't into death metal, and there wasn't a lot of them uh, anyway. Uh, so, you know, initially we were just dumb high school kids that were, like, trying to figure out how to play this music, and we were, like, really bad at it. Like, we couldn't write a song to save our lives. It it, it took a while for us to, like, really learn how to write a song, and, and you know, most of that is, like, attributed to we attribute to Matt Harvey and Exhumed because uh those guys they had songs. They were writing songs. They were putting together out you know, demo demos that were like the length of albums and um Harv in particular is such a encyclopedia of metal. Um I mean the guy just like he just exudes metal. Like it's it's almost like I wanna say it's effortless to him, but it, he would probably disagree. Um but anyway, there was a lot to learn there. And, um, you know, Cole really knows his, his shit, too. So, uh, you know, Cole's our drummer. And uh, so, you know, we all worked well together now. But initially it was those initial days in, uh, like, 94, I think it was, when, when Matt joined Exhumed on bass. And we all just kind of developed this really close friendship and would sit around and talk metal and till you know, like, the wee hours of the morning and, finally crash on Harv's floor or something and um yeah <laughs> and uh how would you say like the sounds developed from uh you when you first started until now um okay so yeah i guess my point there was um so matt and i tried uh in like 92 early 93 to like you know put the band to to make our own band uh cretin that's when we came up with the name and kind of like the lyrical concepts that we would try to go after um, which are stories about like freaky people and freaky situations. Um, but we musically we just didn't we didn't know what the hell we were doing, and we kept writing just stuff we didn't even really have the ability to play yet. Um, and so then Matt, uh, we we shelved the band, and Matt joined Exhumed, and um, so through that we started learning more about how to play metal. But then. Uh, after a while of being in Exhumed, Matt got disillusioned and he ended up joining the Marine Corps. So then he was going to be gone for four years, right? So <laughs> I couldn't do anything. So I just kind of kept dabbling uh, with song ideas here or there. I kind of uh, I went back to school and uh, got uh, an AS in, in like being a computer technician and starting my career in the games industry. Um, and then eventually... Uh, Matt was coming back from the Marine Corps, and 
he started working on the county medical examiners, and that kind of kicked me in the butt. And so I decided, no, I got to write some songs. So I wrote a few songs, and, uh, jammed them with Cole, and you know I let uh, Cole and Matt hear the songs, and and everybody dug it. They dug what we were doing, like some hybrid between Repulsion and Terrorizer. And so we just started playing. Then at that point, it was. It took a long time. Like there, there was a bunch of experimentation that I needed to do, and eventually one day I just kind of came to this re- realization that like I was forcing myself to write to other people's styles rather than just write how I normally write. Um, I just didn't know any better, I guess. And so finally, when I just decided, no, I'm just going to write what I want to write, like then it started coming like more naturally, and what came out was like what you hear, which is like this hybrid between Repulsion and, and Terrorizer. So now it's, uh, like, more organic, the songs just come out, I guess. Yeah, a lot easier. I mean, I take my time writing things, and I, I try to find, you know, when, when I write riffs, I want to make sure that you can hum them um, so that there's something to latch on to. I'm a big proponent in, like, the, having a melody to your riffs rather than just the, the noisy effect that a lot of grindcore bands go for. Um, I, I want to have something to, to sing, Right, because you're not going to be singing the vocals, so <laughs> that's just that's kind of how I write. Um, but Matt does a lot of the the writing of the music as well, um, and he's a lot more dynamic. He can do he way more talented than I am, to be frank. And, uh, so, like the really like musically proficient stuff that that you you hear coming out of us that that usually comes from Matt. My my stuff is you're pretty guaranteed what you're going to get when I sit down and write something. It's just like a freight train moving forward, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, like, what's the latest news with your music, and what do you have planned for the future? Uh, that's – we're not really quite sure. Uh, we came out with Stranger, our second album, uh, in December of 2014. Um, and we were going to play some shows to support it, but uh, then Cole, our drummer, had a baby. Uh, so he's been – uh, consumed with her, uh, with his new daughter, and, and learning how to be a parent. Um, so, you know, we're all really supportive of each other. So, you know, when, when one of us has to take time away from the band, it's, you know, we're we're right there. We're still best friends, and and you know, we'll be there if if anyone wants to come back and, and do another album. But we won't do stuff without each other. So when Cole was out, has we, we looked for a replacement drummer, but the closer that we got to rehearsal, um, it just didn't feel right. Uh, you know, th- this band is really centered around our friendship, and so if one of our one of us can't be part of it, then we'll do some other band or something. And uh, what can you say about, like, your experience uh, playing shows and, uh, like, your overall experience with the scene, I guess? Um, I mean, I've had a blast playing shows. Uh I was in Repulsion for a year, and that was amazing because the exposure that, that we got and the, the we, we played you know mostly festivals or places that you know people just had never seen Repulsion before, and they're such a classic band um, that you know there'd be this huge draw. So we'd be playing in front of like really big audiences and and uh, playing some really great opportunities. I mean. Maryland Death Fest or uh, When Decibel Magazine you know, had their big show to celebrate their 100th issue. That was that was an amazing event. 
Um, and then uh, Cretan, we got to do. We've we've played MDF. Uh, we got to do the Decibel Magazine tour in 2013 with uh, Cannibal Corbs and Napalm Death and Immolation, and uh, that was just mind blowing. It was it was so much fun. And what's great is that um, all of us have careers. Uh, you know, even even Elizabeth Shaw, our, our our lead guitar player, she um, she's an accountant. Cole's a scientist. Widener works for NVIDIA, and uh, I work for Linden Lab, which is uh, the makers of Second Life. And I used to work for Lucasome. Um, point being, we all have careers, so when we went on that tour, we actually had money, and we weren't like relying on the tour to support us and get us from town to town. So we actually could like relax a little bit, you know, and like get a hotel room and get a shower and, and stuff that you know, actually. Uh, bands don't get to do luxuries that bands don't get to do, and, and so it just made it a lot more fun. It was like a big vacation, really. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, like, has has uh, your experience uh, like in the scene changed since? Because uh, I, I know, like, uh, around uh, 2006, you, uh, 2006, I think it was, you you went public about uh, being uh, transgender. Uh, has how has your like experience I guess changed like as far as uh, with people in the scene and everything since then? Uh, yeah, in 2007 uh, I started transitioning. Came out soon after that in Decibel magazine, and the response has been great. Honestly, um, I haven't faced much uh, backlash at all, as far as I can tell. I'm some internet trolls here or there, um, but I don't even. I don't even know if I got any heckling at shows. I mean, it's so noisy anyway. Like, who knows, right? But it's not like anyone has come up to, like, openly harass me or anything. Um, but I think that's just because, you know, in metal, there's this big philosophy of, like, you know, fuck you. You can't tell me how to live my life. And so people, like, respect that when you're upfront and honest with them and, and say, look, this is this is who I am and this is how I'm going to be. Like, a lot of people respond positively. So it's um, like... So it's like a very open scene in a way, you think? Or? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for everyone. Like, I'm sure that there are – I know that there are trans uh, metalheads out there because they, you know, they reach out to me, like, on Facebook or whatever. And and uh, in a lot of ways, they are having a harder time than I am. Um, but I also live in San Francisco. Um, all of my friends and family support me. I've been very fortunate, you know, and – not not all trans people have those luxuries. You know, their their families are the first to abandon them, or their friends, or they live in you know a, a really red state in a really small you know town, and they just get constant harassment. But that's a societal thing, right? That's not the metal scene per se. I I, I don't really know how to. Um, I can't say that that the metal scene is necessarily any more open than the rest of the world. But it's been my experience that I haven't you know, faced much discrimination or bigotry. And uh, how? What's your been your opinion of uh, like other people who've gone public, like uh, Caitlyn Jenner and uh, I think Laura Jabe Grace from Against Me? Uh, like, has have they been an inspiration in any way? Or um, well, I came out considerably you know, years before them, <laughs> a considerable <laughs> amount of years before them. So they are not my inspirations per se. Um, I actually haven't spoken publicly on uh, the Caitlyn Jenner coming out. 
because I feel like she doesn't she doesn't need my you know encouragement or help. Uh, she's very wealthy, um, has the support of uh, the industry around her, like in the media industry, um, and uh, she has all the resources that she will be fine. Um, so I just really haven't voiced anything uh, aside from telling my mom, like, yeah, I saw this coming when the tabloid pictures started popping up, right? Um, and as far as Laura Jane Grace, like, when she came out, uh, I think I was in uh, Atlanta, Georgia at the time to do a photo shoot for the Women in Metal issue of Decibel Magazine. Uh, so that was kind of interesting because I was out there, you know, doing this – this. Uh, you know, rather political uh, issue of a heavy metal magazine, right, where it was trying to support, show support for women and, and our contributions to metal um, in a way that didn't just highlight bikinis and modeling with guitars, right? So I thought that was really cool, like, um, that at that same time, Another trans woman is coming out in a different scene and uh, got a lot of support. It was it was really cool, and and I know that uh, she has influenced a, uh, a lot of people, whether it's her fans or uh, other trans women who really look up to her as well. Cool. So would you say like it's uh it's helping with the progress of maybe uh, there being more acceptance in society as a whole? Or uh, I mean that's the ultimate goal, right? But you got to start with exposure, and you know. Back when I came out, even back when I came out in 2007, like, I had barely just learned that, you know, transsexuality and transgender was, like, this actual, like, real thing that wasn't just some, like, fantasy, like, uh, carnival sideshow kind of uh, social experiments or what have you, right? Like, I didn't know. We didn't have the resources. The Internet barely had anything on it uh, at the time regarding uh, resources on how to transition, who, the, you know, that, look, you know, trans people are a real thing. Like, this isn't just some, what people like to call weird delusion that's all in your head. Like, there is actual, you know, science for it and, and, and medical study for it and resources. But, but at the time, it was hard to find that stuff. And now uh, we get all this exposure, you know, whether it's liver and cox, like, being a trans woman actually playing a trans woman rather than um, a non-trans person playing a trans person. Um, we're, we're getting, like, real, you know, representation. And it's really cool, you know. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. You know, the marriage equality thing has eclipsed uh, the civil rights movement for uh, the LGBT community. Um, and while it, it is a huge win, um, you know, I really see it as, like, just a first step because there's a lot more civil rights out there, like the right to employment, and, uh, the right to education, and the right to uh, health care that are all compromised, particularly for trans people and trans women of color. Um, and that's, you know, across the state, or like across the nation. So um, there's a lot more to do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, and we need, and the only way that we can do that is through exposure and through letting people know that, like, you know, trans people aren't a carnival sideshow, and hey, you may even know one of them, or look up to, you know, a musician who's one, or, or something like that. And, uh, so, like, do you feel, 
like the time before you came out, do you feel like that part of your life maybe like uh, I I don't know if like wasted in a way, but like maybe you're happier now that you're out, and like maybe is it harder to look back to like those days before? Or? Yeah, for me it is. Um, I, I, I you know you hear it common. I, I hear it commonly that people regret uh, waiting so long to come out. But again, we didn't we didn't have the language to know what we were dealing with, right? Like so, uh, back in the the late eighties, like I just felt like I was carrying around something that I needed to never tell anyone about, never share it because you just didn't speak about it. I mean, even you know, even just being gay. Uh, was a death sentence, right? Like, you know, the AIDS epidemic, how, you know, the presidency let it just languish forever. Well, it was almost like a freaking genocide, right? Um, so That was the Reagan years, The Reagan, right? yeah, administration. Um, so, you know, I didn't know how to deal with it. I did my best uh, to live up to expectations uh, and, and find some amount of comfort, but eventually I just got to the point where I couldn't deal with it anymore. And uh, there was some trans exposure at the time. Um, unfortunately, it was uh, focused around the murder of Gwen Araujo, uh, which happened out here in the Bay Area. Um, but I guess it kind of just triggered something in me. Um, I was uh, also turning 30 and got my first album out, so there was a lot that was just kind of like, I don't know, building my self-confidence, I think, at the time. It was just like, look, trans people exist and treated terribly, and, you know, I'm an adult, and what is this secret that I'm hiding, and yet I can accomplish getting an album out. What's this, what's this secret? Like, can I accomplish that, too? And it just kind of, like, all culminated to where I, you know, I came out to my wife at the time dealt with it <laughs> started marching forward and um so like how long did you uh like n know uh that you felt this way and uh like what was your earliest experience with that i guess yeah what the onset of puberty is when it really started to become an issue um there's just all the changes that are associated with, with puberty. It just felt really, really uncomfortable. But again, like, I didn't know what the hell I was dealing with at 11, right? <laughs> so I just spent most of my life repressing it. Um, so even when, when things would manifest, whether it was, you know, dreams or just general feelings um, or cross-dressing, moments of cross-dressing, I would just... You know, I would do that, and then I would put everything away and, like, pretend like nothing happened. It was all repression. It got to the point where um, it wasn't until therapy that I even remembered doing, you know, experiencing these things as a teenager. Like, I had to go through uh, therapy for, uh, for transgender issues. Um, it's, it was part of the mandated process of transition anyway um and in there in therapy that's where i started realizing like oh my goodness yeah there were these dreams or there you know I would, or or in real life i would go sneak off and you know buy women's clothing and you know, hide it away in places in my room and wear it when my parents weren't home 
just stuff like that that I had actually forgotten about because I repressed it so much. And uh, so was it a shock uh, to people when uh, you first like went public about this, or like did they the people close to you kind of know? My my ex-wife at the time wasn't shocked because it was something we had been dealing with for a while, um, and we went to couples therapy, and that's where it really came out. Um, Matt, my be- Matt Widener is my best friend, right? And uh, so we're really close, and he says that he wasn't all that shocked just because of I don't I don't know why he's there's some sort of like nurturing uh, characteristic that I've always shown towards him, like. It just made him think that, you know, maybe that, that was some part of my feminine side or something being expressed. Um, but, like, everybody else was pretty shocked. <laughs> um, I remember I took Cole and, and Harv out uh, to dinner after a rehearsal to tell them. And they both kind of stared at me, just like in bewilderment at first. But then they quickly recovered and... Uh, you know, Cole said, I totally, you know, support you and we'll be standing by, you know, waiting to, to see like, you know, if you want to continue doing the band or, or, or whatnot. Like he, you know, they were, they were just all very supportive. Um, my, my mom didn't want to believe it at first, uh, because she had done some research after I came out, uh, and, she came back to me and she was like, you don't exhibit any of these characteristics of what it means to be transsexual. You didn't show any signs at the, you know, at early ages and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I told her, yeah, that's because I was repressing everything. I was hiding it. I didn't want anyone to know. Um, so I suggested that she go to um, a gender therapist herself. Uh, and that way she could get informed, like pretty much the same way that I was getting informed going through therapy and she did that, and it worked for her, and she totally understood once she uh, was speaking to a gender specialist. And, you know, ever since then, I've, I've been her daughter. And uh, I, I know, like, in an interview with uh, Terrorizer magazine, uh, you, you said, like, in a way, metal was, your, was also part of your costume or, like, growing up as a way to... Hide? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah sure. I mean, like... You know, I, I just looked at other metalheads who were like the musicians out there and, and emulated them because they seemed like a pretty uh, stark example of like masculinity. Um, and, you know, plus the, the savagery of metal, it just it, it felt like an armor, it felt like a good armor I could <laughs> adorn and then, you know, just kind of be safe against against the world, you know, Um People tell me all the time that uh, they think that I have, like, a ton of self-confidence, that I just, like, exude, like, self-confidence whenever I walk into a room. And it, it, it it's funny to hear that to me because I think even to this day, like, in a lot of ways, that's something I'm putting in in front of myself to shield myself against the how I'm actually feeling inside, which is, like, not – confident right it's very uh almost kind of insecure and and terrified all the time um so i don't know and maybe that's something i just picked up from metal and it's just the way that i i shield myself against the world (laughs) (laughs) and uh all bark and no bite (laughs) (laughs) so um did any of this come out in any of your lyrics 
No, um, people after I came out, uh, people looked at the lyrics and drew associations uh, to them, like the song "Daddy's Little Girl," which is uh, about a father who has a son but wanted a daughter, so he force feminizes his son and uh, forces his son to transition. Um, I didn't directly or, or like consciously write that to express some transgender blues that I was having or anything like that. It was just something that was in my mind, right? So I guess there's an association because, you know, that was a, a, a situation that I was more or less de- dealing with at the time, but I didn't directly set out to do that to be like, hey, see, I was hinting or, you know, there's clues over here or something like that. It was just, <laughs> it was literally just like, you know, we need we need another song. So, what's another like crazy situation that we can think up to to sing about? I guess like uh, unconsciously it was there, like yeah, like uh, in it a bit maybe or whatever. Right. I mean, it was definitely something I knew about, or the topic I knew about, right? Um, however fetishized that song might be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of. <laughs> kind of quirky right i mean i have some amount of cognitive dissonance with uh, regarding in particular our old lyrics um because we were very much like we weren't hip on you know social politics at all in fact social politics has really kind of changed since we we made the album um to the sensitivities of today uh so a lot of that stuff is kind of like we we read it back now we're we're listening to it now and we're like, oh, geez, did we really write that? Like, that's kind of bad, right? Um, but it is what it is. You know, we were trying to be shocking at the time and we were trying to be shocking in a different way um, than just all the gore uh, or, you know, misogyny or whatever that's out there. But we ended up picking up some of that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so, like... Uh... How is it? How is it? Uh, have people been seeing you like now, like as uh, like you want to be seen? I mean, I know you were on the cover of uh, uh, this one magazine. Is like women in metal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like I think in general, um, going through life, I am accepted as a woman, um, which is great for me. Um, I don't. I don't make too much of an effort to hide that I'm trans aside from, you know, when I'm walking down the street by myself, I want to feel safe. I don't want to like, <laughs> uh, get assaulted or, or, or anything, um, or insulted for that matter. Um, but you know, uh, more or less. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been very fortunate, right. And, and I, I was fortunate to have a career and, uh, fortunate to have, you know, a career that was supportive of me and uh, fortunate to have um, the resources in order to get, you know, certain surgeries that not everyone can afford and maybe not everyone even wants to get. But, you know, um, I was able to do things that um, I think allow me to fit in into society as me. Um, so, uh yeah. Um, I mean, for the most part, I'm I'm treated as a, as a woman, I think, as far as I know. And would would you say uh, 
who who uh, you were before. Uh, was that someone who, like, maybe didn't exist in a way, and like this is the real you, I guess, or? Um, this is the real me, but you know, I I come from my history. Um, I prefer not to really refer to my dead name. That's what they call it, the old name. Um. But that's probably just an emotional an emotional response because I had to go through a transition, right? Uh, which is kind of scary and painful at times, and you know, tough to deal with. Um, I don't I I don't spend a lot of time thinking about my past, to be honest. Uh, aside from like, you know, whatever I'm trying to get out of some some memory. Um, but, you know, when I refer to myself in, in the past, when my family and when my friends refer to me in the past, they refer to me as Marissa when, you know, and and, um, and that's the way it should be because that's who I am. It's just nobody knew. Nobody was allowed to know. Right. Um, but I am me and I went through my history. So, yeah, typically when, you know, not, not even typically, I mean, just generally <laughs> referring to me in the past is just, you know, Oh, Marissa used to skateboard, you know, when she was in high school or Marissa, you know, learned how to play guitar when she was in high school or Marissa used to be a bouncer at a bar. I mean, it, <laughs> it ends up sounding kind of cool, actually, if you ask me. But um, and uh, what what else uh, what uh, advice would you give to like someone else who's going through similar feelings and maybe hasn't uh, went open about it? Um, well, the only advice I ever really give is to go see a therapist who is supportive of and knowledgeable of uh, transgender issues and transitioning. Um, don't go to a therapist who is, you know, anti-trans, who is going to try to sell you on Christian therapy to, you know, accept yourself as God made you, which is a total fucking bullshit silhouette lie, right? Um one, I don't believe in God, but two, we were born trans, so, <laughs> uh, you know, got to go to a therapist who, who, you know, will honestly work with you, uh, not against you on your trans issues. That's that's all I can tell you because everybody's situation is so different, right? Like, I, like I've been saying, I've been very fortunate because of the resources and, and the support uh, and, and love of family that I've had. Not everybody has that. Not everybody has a job. Not everybody lives in uh, a location where uh, they can be out and, uh, you know, maintain a job, you know, not lose it, not lose their housing, not lose their resources and their family. Um, so I, I can't give advice, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess, yeah. So I guess like you said, you say you've uh, maybe had it easier, I guess, than other people. Yeah, certainly. I've I've had it way easier. Um, you know, I know tons of trans people who you know have to turn to the sex industry and are working out on the street, on the street corners. You know, like blocks from here, really, um, in order to make ends meet. And I've seen them try to get jobs even here in San Francisco. And because they have some prior for for prostitution, they can't they can't get a job. So they can't even get out if they wanted to, right? They're stuck in the sex industry, the sex trade, and it's incredibly dangerous. Um, uh, so I haven't, I haven't had to do that because of the resources that I was fortunate enough to have. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I have had it easier. And uh, it's... Uh, it's something that I always try to remember, you know, especially when, when speaking to other people or speaking on shows like this, because, um, you know, if I just start giving advice based on my experience, I'm going to come off like a real idiot <laughs> <laughs> to tell you the truth, because it just it doesn't apply to everyone. Right. And and I recognize that. Uh, so, like, have you been in any like uh, support groups like or like maybe done any kind of thing where you help other people or uh, any kind of activism for uh, transgender rights? Or? I uh, I contribute donations to things like the Transgender Law Center and, and other organizations that fight for uh, LGBT civil rights and trans rights in particular, um, as well as like participating in some GoFundMes for some uh, trans-specific uh, educational programs that have started up for teaching trans people uh, computer skills uh, so they can get a job in the computer industry. Um, I haven't done any, like, panels or anything like that. Or I used to participate in the Trans March, which would happen um, attached to the San Francisco Pride weekend. Um, but... I started kind of feeling bad about it because you're blocking traffic on a Friday afternoon when everyone just kind of wants to get home. And, you know, we were walking down the street and oftentimes there wasn't a collective message that it was there. It was just like we're trans or we, we support trans people and we're blocking traffic. And it just didn't seem to really <laughs> be doing much good or sending a strong message you know, from my perspective. But I th this year, I think uh, – I believe they they had a more cohesive theme, but I just happened to to miss the the march because I had to work. Um, but yeah, typically uh, those are how I do things, and then just to, you know general visibility, you know, from the bands that I've, I've had in interviews, and I'm always you know there to talk to fans and uh, just give general exposure, I guess. <laughs> Are there any like uh, laws uh, in place now that discriminate uh, against uh, transgender people? I mean, uh, or is there anything else like what you were saying, like how it's hard to sometimes get a job? Like uh, with you said, some of them were uh, some people were stuck like working in the sex industry. Sure. Um, in California, uh, especially this last year, uh, Jerry Brown, our governor, like actually signed a bunch of uh, new acts uh, which progressed uh, trans people's ability to transition um, in a number of ways. But there were uh, – so California is pretty good as far as, like, trans rights are concerned. Um, but there's, like, 39 other states across the, the nation that they have no protections for LGBT uh, – LGBT people, trans people in particular, um, there actually is a difference between uh, protecting the rights of gay people and protecting the rights of trans people, and trans people uh, are largely way more at risk. Uh, so, you know, there's national movements that uh, are out there, like the, uh, the ENDA, the Employment Non-Discrimination Act, um, which is languishing in the Senate, um, but that's the next big push, and that is to protect uh, 
people's right to work um, federally, like uh, all across the nation, right, so that states can't have special rights where they say, no, I don't like trans people and I don't like gay people, uh, so I'm not going to hire them. Like that, it's a, it's a movement to protect the rights to employment, um, and it's important. It's it's hugely important. But yeah, there is definitely work that's going on with that kind of stuff, and I definitely vote in favor of that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, for obvious reasons, <laughs> right? Um, self-preservation being one key among them. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's stuff that I'm definitely paying attention to, and, like, maybe I'll make a Facebook post about it every now and then. Um, but California is pretty well off. I don't know. And, uh, like, and I know uh, this is a, a common confusion, people, because uh, you were saying the difference between uh, – uh, gay rights and uh, transgender rights. A lot of people confuse uh, gender identity with uh, um, sexual orientation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, again, I I I, I kind of think that a considerable amount of people are no longer confused on that situation anymore, um, just because things have changed so significantly. Uh, in as far as like you know social justice matters are concerned um, and exposure to it. But yeah, there there's definitely a difference between sexual orientation and gender identity. That being that in simple terms, um, you know, sexual orientation is who you want to go to bed with and gender identity is who you want to go to bed as, right? We recognize ourselves as male and female or somewhere in between, and then we recognize that we are attracted to males or females or something in between. So, or both or nothing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, there's there's definitely a difference there. And um, in a lot of ways, uh, the portions of society that are resistant to LGBT anything um, are largely more resistant to trans than they are to uh, homosexual or sexual orientation, uh, nonconformity. Um, and they just see trans as being an extension of sexual orientation. That it, you know, if like in my case, if I'm a trans woman, then I'm, I must be hyper gay, a hyper gay male. Right. And, and that's just not the case. I mean, for, for one thing, to be gay, I would have to be attracted to the same sex as me, right? Um, and that has nothing to do with me being a woman, except that uh, it would define that as a woman being attracted to women, I'm gay, right? But that's not even how they see it, right? Because they see me as a gay male. So <laughs> it's like if I'm attracted to men, then I'm a gay male. But maybe I'm not attracted to men. I happen to be attracted to both. But, um, you know... I know trans women or trans men who are attracted to – so trans women who are attracted to women and trans men who are attracted to men. Um, and they consider themselves homosexual in those senses, right? Whereas the, the portion of society that we're talking about that would be resistant would not. They would just see them as like really messed up in the head or something delusional I think is the word that I, I see them say most often. Um, and it's just, I don't know that we'll ever convince those people, um, 
but you know society seems to be moving forward with this stuff um and a lot of big portions of society are supportive of trans people as well as gay people um so things are looking up you know who who's going to get left behind i really don't know and uh you re- you recently and you recently got uh married too did he know uh did your husband know you were as soon as you met or what happened yeah um so my husband definitely knew I was trans before he even reached out to date me. Um, we both – he's a metalhead too, so he knew the story. Um, and we both participated on the same uh, metal forum, which was like the, the re-board is what we call it. It was a, it was a board that used to be um, a metal forum for Relapse Records, and then it split off uh, to do its own independent thing. And um, – we would both be on there, you know, making jokes and talking about metal and whatnot. And one day he posted that he was in San Francisco and looking for stuff to do. So I started making a bunch of suggestions of things that he could go do or go see. And one of our mutual friends on the board, you know, said, hey, you know, Brian's great people. Marissa, go hang out with him. And I was like, you know, sure. OK, fine. I'll hang out with him. Fell him out. Ahead. We'll sit around, drink some beers and talk metal. And uh, it ended up that... <clears throat> Uh, he was really trying to date me, <laughs> and he had like planned a nice dinner for us, and then we went and like shot some pool and drank beers and listened to metal and just had a really good time. Um, and so he lived in L.A. at the time, and I live in San Francisco, so we were texting back and forth and, uh, you know, just to kind of get to know each other, and eventually we did, uh, and we started dating. And uh, it just kind of evolved from there until we got got married in December of 2013. I'm not sure why I keep doing everything in December. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so is it um, is it hard for a lot of uh, transgender people to date, like, and find people that are open to dating transgender people? Or um, that's how it's commonly reported. I mean, I, I was reading an article just yesterday that was saying uh, how difficult it is for uh, trans people to find lovers, especially trans women among straight men, because straight men uh, put so much emphasis, uh, you know, on their uh, masculinity and part of what uh, equates as being, you know, really masculine, I suppose, is, is being straight and attracted to women. Um, and so if you are attracted to trans women, there's this misconception that you're not attracted to, quote unquote, a real woman. Um, and therefore it, you know, uh, it, it leaves you exposed to ridicule. Um, but uh, my experience in dating was that I never had any trouble dating. Hmm. <laughs> um, it, it went pretty easily, but. I was also hanging out uh, in a bar uh, that is dedicated to trans women. Uh, it's called Divas here in San Francisco, and it's a it's a it's a bar to go meet and you know date uh, and drink with uh, trans women, essentially. So anyone that was coming in there, like they already kind of knew the story. Um, so that kind of made things a little bit easier, although a lot of them were just, uh, 
you know, they, they wanted to keep it a secret and they were just there to, uh, you know, get a quick one night stand and, and be on their way. <laughs> um, I also would hang out at a lesbian bar um, where there it was a little bit more uh, difficult, but only because I think that it's or I feel like it's harder to date women as a woman because at least the women that I'm attracted to, um, it's like we're both sitting there waiting for one or the other to approach. And I don't want to approach, so I end up just kind of sitting there by myself. So that's my own doing, really. Um, but, yeah, I just never really had that much trouble, like, getting dates or finding people. Finding love was definitely a longer process, but uh, it happened. So it happened within a pretty short amount of time. So, yeah, again, just another example of where I, I guess I've been fortunate where others haven't. And I guess that's a, that's another thing that can kind of, I guess, progress over time, people's comfort, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess so. I mean, I, I haven't seen Brian get any any kind of uh, bigotry or discrimination thrown his way. Um, and every time we've gone in anywhere, everybody just treats him cool and you know they like him and and stuff so i i haven't really seen anything judgmental happen so uh what else can you say that you're working on like in the way of music i know you said you were jamming with a newer band recently oh uh, yeah those plans fell through because stupid bart is <laughs> 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 closed down across the bay and they're out in oakland but um yeah there's a band i'm gonna uh try out for on guitar uh death metal band out in Oakland. Um, just a little project that sounds pretty old school death metal and fun, so I thought I'd check it out. Um, and, you know, in general, I'm just kind of sitting around waiting for inspiration right now. Um, I'm not actively working on anything because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know when or if, you know, Cole wants to come back or, or when, when that might happen. It, there was some some talk about it over my birthday barbecue, so you know we'll see what happens. But um, right now, yeah, there's not much going on, and work is like crazy right now. So <laughs> we're 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 hitting a pre-alpha state, and everything's in crunch. So um, it's kind of hard to even think about music at the moment. But yeah. And uh, is there any other styles you might uh, experiment with in the future? Or any others maybe you have in the past? Or uh, I mean, as far as writing music, I write the way I write, and so it's always going to sound like Cretan to some degree. Um, but if I was to play an, another type of sound, um, you know, it would be within death metal, most definitely. Um, it's just that's just where my my interest is. You know, that's that's the music that I really love and that that really resonates with me. So. It, it will probably always be some form of quote unquote old school death metal, right? <laughs> Which actually, for some reason, you know, you say old school death metal and you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Um, it, it actually has its own sound before it was just death metal, um, but it's progressed so much that you can say old school and that means something. So 
that's probably what 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 would be going on yeah and uh like uh so where would you like to one day be with your music would you like to one day be doing it as a full-time thing or no um i have a lot of fun with my music but i i don't want to rely on it to put bread and butter on the table um i think that would make it really stressful <laughs> whereas i just want to have fun with it you know and so and that's what i get to do so i'm i'm pretty much there you know as long as um I, well i'm not there right now because i'm not actually like jamming weekend in and weekend out but you know i'd like to be doing that some more and maybe working on a new album of some sort um actively but otherwise, I mean, I've, I've kind of done it, right? I mean, it was pretty awesome. I'm not saying I'm done, but, like, we did it the way that we wanted to do it, which was really cool. Um, and so, you know, hopefully we'll get to do that again some more. And it's out there for, like, a lot of people to hear and everything. So I guess that's what matters the most, right? The... Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what's really cool. And, uh, you know, like, Freakery, our first album is even, like, in some – digital jukeboxes i haven't seen stranger in them yet but you know so it's like you know from the internet to record stores to even jukeboxes and bars like our, our album is out there and you know and then we came out with a second album stranger and it's it's amazing it's it's so awesome to have those things done and like to be able to listen to them and like you hear the feedback of the fans and um, people were extremely blown away with with our new album Stranger, and it just feels really good to have, like participated in that, you know, in in making something that that people enjoy just as much as we do. Because um, it was a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't easy. It took us forever for one thing, and but we really wanted to do our best with it, and um, so it's great that people really appreciate it. It feels really good. And uh, so, like, is your how does uh your does your day job uh like re relate to anything you enjoy in any way or oh yeah definitely um i my day job is i i'm leading the qa effort for our next generation product which is um very similar to second life right we're we're just doing the the next generation of it which is it's basically what we do is we provide um the engine uh, and rendering techniques and the environment essentially for people to create their own content and create their own like uh, worlds and scenes and VR experiences um, within our software. Um, and that ultimately turns into uh, a marketplace where people actually make money making virtual products that other people then buy so that they can, you know, make their avatar or make their little house or make a nightclub out in virtual 3D world um, and go share experiences with each other and build communities together. And um, some schools use it for classrooms where they give virtual classes. Uh, there's the, the, the possibilities are endless, right? Um, so it's it's basically like the ultimate extension of – of where I started in the industry was, which was video games. Um, that I, I like video games a lot. Um, and uh, I, I built a career working in video games, whether it was from um, graphics hardware um, and testing that, or then eventually getting a job at LucasArts and uh, working on a bunch of Star Wars games. I mean, that was amazing. That was like 13 and a half years. <laughs> 
And um, so then I've moved on now to to Linden Lab and and working on this stuff, and it's it's really cool. It's a lot of fun, and it's great to see it like actually really starting to 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 come to shape now. And uh, so, is there anything, uh, any like final thoughts or things you'd like to say? Uh, well, thanks a lot for having me. Um, it was great talking to you. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to promote or anything, so I guess you know, to the fans, I'll see you at the next uh, the next show or festival that's going on that I happen to be at. And <laughs> otherwise, cheers. <laughs> and like, uh, where should people like check out? Uh, your music and everything and social media and all that. Right. So we're signed to Relapse Records. Uh, so relapserecords.com uh, will have the album where it can be purchased. Uh, it, we're also on iTunes or um, Bandcamp and all those all those places as well. Um, and then uh, Facebook is – I mean I have my personal Facebook, but the, the band's Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Cretanic. All right, cool. Well, uh, yeah, so I think that does it for uh, this episode of uh, BSing with Sean K. Uh, thanks a lot, Marissa, for coming on. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, so I should have more episodes coming soon, so uh, stay tuned.